0: Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome back. We are here at the Cesar Chavez event today, and I am Kathy Fearbanks, the host of the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. And our guest right now is Natasha Mendoza. Natasha, welcome to the show. And Natasha is with Arizona State University with the Center for Applied Behavioral Health. So that's a mouthful. Would you mind unpackaging a little bit of what that really means when you're part of the Center of Applied Behavioral Health? What are we talking about? Right, so uh,
1: the Center for Applied Behavioral Health Policy has been around since the mid-90s and has been um, part of ASU and the School of Social Work since the late 90s. And all through that time has um, played, I think, a pretty important role in the Valley in terms of behavioral health, both in terms of workforce development for behavioral health practitioners, but also uh, with respect to research and program evaluation. So right now, we are working toward building more of a space in the intersection of uh, behavioral health and public safety. Okay. So what that looks like for us is a lot of work with fire and police and corrections and um, coming up with new initiatives to really um, make Uh, concerted efforts in that space, in addition to the the behavioral health work that we already do um, and the integrated health work that we already do. So we do a lot of uh, workforce development for clinicians, for example, um, things like motivational interviewing or trauma-informed care. um, And we're also doing work in integrated health kind of spaces. So with primary care physicians, for example, who are requiring more education for medication assisted treatment okay
0: well let's talk about the new initiative working with the police and the fire how would that work in terms of integration how does that get off the ground in terms of going from meetings into the community what would that look like I'm so glad that you
1: asked. Okay. We're really excited about it. Um, so we just, in February, launched our first inaugural, inaugural uh, Winter Institute for Public Safety and Behavioral Health. And with that, we pulled in um, almost 300 behavioral health, uh, but primarily public safety, police, and fire, and corrections from um, mostly in the Valley to discuss what, what is at that intersection, because there's a couple different ways you could look at it. You can look at... Um, the behavioral health that occurs when a first responder, for example, comes into contact with a community member, or you can um, consider it from the perspective of the first re- responder, her or himself, where um, they're dealing with a lot in terms of um, compassion fatigue and um, secondary trauma. And um, their uh, suicide rates right now for fire, for example, are something like eight times what the general population is. It's really... Um, it's an important space to work in. There's not a ton of work happening in that space. So we're creating the conversation with our Winter Institute. We hope that that is the first of many. Mm-hmm. Um, moving forward, our research in the area ha- looks looks like this. We're, we have a study right now where we're trying to figure out what can happen in the three to five minutes that a first responder comes into contact with somebody who's just overdosed um, from an, uh, an opioid overdose and we don't know exactly what that can look like but as behavioral health practitioners we know that there are a lot of really useful um, evidence-based brief interventions that can happen from a behavioral health standpoint. Can any of those things be deployed in that three to five minutes to, um, for example, Introduce certain harm reduction interventions, or uh, to maybe to motivate somebody to seek treatment. So we don't we don't uh, want or expect first responders necessarily to be trained as behavioral health practitioners, but but that's a really important space of time that maybe can be used for somebody who's addicted to drugs or alcohol.
0: No doubt, no doubt. And compassionate um, firemen, firefighters. They're among the most compassionate people on the planet. My husband happens to be a retired firefighter, so I'm. I'm well-versed in, in that, and as you say, just three to five minutes, just the awareness level, and sometimes it might be as much as the person in the uniform says the right thing right. in order to encourage enrollment for treatment.
1: Yeah, or expresses some empathy as opposed to, um, you know ha- having seen this person maybe multiple times that week and, and just feeling sort of hopeless. Sure. and. Um, maybe there is a way to sort of shift up some of that engagement to Mm -hmm. be more helpful. So we think maybe it could be um, kind of a technology that could help perhaps, some means to electronically deliver um, a method for safety planning so that people don't overdose in the future or to let them know where the closest uh, clean needle distribution sites are, Mm -hmm. um, to let them know how to access Narcan so that they can be safe if they're using or to let them know where the closest um, detox or treatment centers are. Mm -hmm. Um, Something, something. So we'll figure out what that is uh, gonna look like over the next year and a half or so.
0: Okay, wonderful. Now, um, I wanna talk a little bit about your relationship with Taros Health. I'm very fond of our relationship at Clemmer Leadership with Taros Health and they're just up to great things in the community. What is your relationship and how do you collaborate with Taros? Well, the center has been involved with Taros on and off for
1: years um, in terms of helping organize and promote their conference. So, definitely, we've been helping with that. Um, just stepped into that role again this year after a couple years of a break. Um, and we're thrilled to do it. I think our mission as a center, in terms of our approach to behavioral health, is, is definitely aligned with what Taros is yeah. doing and what they do in terms of their behavioral health. And I think, you know, their professionals are accessing some of our tools in terms of workforce development, and we're working with them to uh, figure out what we can do in the community to build more momentum around prevention and treatment. So most recently, what that looks like is we collaborated on a grant application together where we're proposing to um, develop collaboratively with Taros and also with 1 in 10 in the Valley to come up with some sort of preventative means to address address youth um, who are LGBTQ and who are at risk of alcohol or drug misuse so
0: we sure okay wonderful fingers across on that what are some research um projects that are on the horizon for you they've not been quite launched but they're in the the planning stage in terms of research what's next on your projects
1: well a lot of what we do in terms of research is sort of wrapped around what we do for workforce development so for us we want to keep doing that so for example here's what that could look like Uh, we do a lot of work with medication assisted treatment so
0: we tell me what that is i'm okay. not from this field sure. so i'll, yeah, I'll ask some basic questions <laughs> i apologize i take it no, for granted no 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 no. everybody here is well versed i'm not <laughs>
1: sure uh medication assisted treatment is a means to help somebody who's dealing with an addiction um Uh, move toward recovery both with behavioral health kinds of interventions so clinical work therapeutic work but in addition to that a medicine that can help them deal with the craving and the withdrawal symptoms that come with um, being someone who's addicted so um, there's a lot of training that goes along with that especially for for primary care physicians who are the ones that are going to be prescribing the medications that will assist with the medication-assisted treatment. At Center, we've developed materials, we've developed trainings for physicians and integrated health folks to come and learn more about medication-assisted treatment, and it's, it's ideal use for people who are addicted, especially to opioids. It, it is the gold standard uh, for treatment in the, in the space. So, um, for example, we have a medication-assisted treatment guide and part of what's important for us to know is how people are using that guide. So we send it out into the community to physicians, to um, behavioral health practitioners, and we want to, in terms of our research, understand how it's getting disseminated out into practice. Okay. And then beyond that, trying to figure out how um, the clients themselves are receiving the treatment once people have been trained, they've gotten the materials, and then is it effective once mm-hmm. it's been that far removed?
0: Right. What would be an effective um, rate of engagement for that?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, we don't even have a benchmark for what that could be right now. We're just now going along the sort of, what do I want to say, the sort of shift towards disseminating implementation science. Mm -hmm. So figuring out what our benchmarks are for dissemination it's kind of on the horizon in terms of what we're doing as a research center.
0: Well, and it makes sense because this crisis, it's, it's still relatively new and growing in terms of the opioid crisis. And I know they're going to be speaking uh, of that right. today yeah. um, quite a bit. And so um, I'll be anxious to hear the results that, that you get from this particular initiative. All right. Absolutely. So if you had a blank canvas in terms of what you would want, what's on your wish list for your center right now? What what would be the gift, the the initiative that you've been wanting to look at? Um, maybe let's let's go out to 2020, 2021. Mm-hmm. What would you want that blank canvas to be painted up today? Well, I think
1: I would really like to see us be the hub of this intersection of public safety and behavioral health. I would like us to be the go-to come to building um, initiatives for workforce development. When it when it comes to uh, figuring out innovative ways for first responders to to practice with community members or uh, to to establish their own practice and their own work and sure. and within their own families too. Yeah. Um, so I really want us to kind of build up that expertise. In addition to that, we kind of have this parallel track that's, that's definitely related, but but is kind of parallel in that we want to make some um, s- movement and space in the area of homelessness, especially in the downtown Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. So uh, our college, uh, Watts, Watts College is the college that houses our center, and... Um, there is a sort of college initiative to impact homelessness, especially in the downtown area, but but um, central Arizona-wide. And so we want to play a role in that. We're not exactly sure what that looks like yet, but what it could look like is um, being the sort of center for supervision for students who engage in field work. So you could envision okay. uh, undergraduate students or graduate students who are maybe In the school of social work they would come to the center for supervision and they would be dispatched out into homelessness serving agencies like the human services campus or like andre house which are downtown Um, and then we would help them figure out their learning contracts figure out um, how they can move toward becoming behavioral health professionals in that kind of practice space um, with agencies that are working toward um, ending homelessness.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Boy, that would be huge, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially here with the weather that you have, Um, understood. One of the things I'm really touched by is how much we're in in alignment with Clemmer leadership. Um, We just were awarded a wonderful contract with the Honolulu Police Department and training them on the leadership of community policing. Yeah. And so that community policing, uh, it's not that we're in law enforcement, but Clemmer is experts in the human behavior, that community outreach. And so we're excited to have an opportunity to train 100 officers that will be going out the feet on the ground and making a difference within the community. And as you say, looking for those things to prevent something bad from happening. Might it be an overdose or uh, domestic violence, whatever that might look like. Uh, So being in partnership with them is a fantastic opportunity that we look forward to rolling out. I think October is when we're doing that. That's great. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. What else would you like to share? One of the questions I do have is funding. How are you funded? And um, is it multi-disciplines or one particular grant that you work off of? How are you funded? No, um, we have a staff of about um, 25 full-time staff
1: and, and students together, and we all um, kind of work along these three pillars of uh, workforce development, community engagement, and research. And so our our funding comes from all kinds of different spaces. Uh, right now, for example, we're doing work um, with the opioid response. A lot of that money comes from our state government, um, sort of funneled through uh, the feds to our state government and then down to us and then um, we have foundation funding for some of our student work that happens in our our community collaborative which is Um, a space where students work with the residents of the building that we're in, which is a a Westward Ho. It's a, it's a historical building in downtown Phoenix that houses, um, 300 seniors or people who are diversely abled and they work with the students. So in that space, that's foundation funded. Mm -hmm. Um, we have some funding from some federal
0: grants and, um, Yeah, most So all over. Yeah, we're, yeah. All right. Fantastic. How can one, how can a listener get a hold of you if they want to engage with you regarding research or something of that nature? How would they reach you?
1: The best way to reach us is probably through our website. Everything you need to know about the center is there. And so that would be um, the Center for Applied Behavioral Health Policy or CABHP. ASU, you can Google that, and that'll okay. get you there, too. And that's okay. the best way to learn about us.
0: All right, beautiful. Well, Natasha, I can't thank you enough for joining today. It's great learning about what you do, the difference that you make in the Maricopa and uh, all of Arizona communities. So thank you again. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Kathy. <laughs> My pleasure.